Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi everyone and welcome to our house. Um, we're in South Africa, we're in our, about our fifth week of uh, lockdown, going on our sixth week. And um, I've spoken to a few friends and even my introvert friends are starting to get a bit of cabin fever and so on. So um, if the introverts start complaining about lockdown, then you know it's getting bad and getting long. Uh, but I hope you're doing well, uh, whether you're alone or whether you're with family or friends. I uh, hope you're doing well. I uh, hope the Lord is blessing you. At least we're starting with, um, you know, relaxation of the restrictions of the lockdown. And uh, hopefully that will continue and uh, we'll get through this lockdown. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I was thinking about this lockdown and just the connect- connotation of, I, I know there's a TV program in South Africa actually called Lockdown about a prison uh, and prison guards and, and inmates and stuff. Um, and I was thinking about the fact, that how, how do you use, and some people ask me, how do you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for instance, uh, under lockdown? Can you still do it? And, and if so, how, how do you do it? Uh, and I started thinking about this connotation of uh, lockdown, you know, with prison and, 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 and the Holy Spirit and, and how you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit under lockdown. And I remembered when... Uh, my family and I were in Franschhoek. Uh, I was pastoring the congregation, the Shofar congregation in Franschhoek. And one of my friends there was a bivocational pastor um, who was at one of the prisons nearby. I think it was the Drakenstein prison. And he had a congregation in um, Grundal, which is uh, right next to uh, Franschhoek, or actually part of Franschhoek. Uh, and so during the week, he, he was a prison guard or prison warden. And then uh, during on Sundays he, he would he would pastor the church and and you know obviously in his spare time he'd, he'd also see people and so on and and, and because he, he had his, his foot sort of in, in both worlds the church world and the prison world um, he often ministered in prison as well uh, and uh, there was there was a, a, ju- a juvenile prison there as well and uh, he, he often told stories about the inmates and how they struggled to make that transition from being an inmate, being a prisoner um, in a prison, to, to being a normal citizen in the world. And it was as though they, they brought this, this prison mentality with them. Uh, and even when they were on parole, they, they, they still had this, this, this mentality that, that actually blocked them and prevented them from, from fully living as, as citizens, as normal citizens, and, and fully being free, even, even when they were um, free, and I remember one young man, um, a story of one young man that he told me. Let's call him Daniel. I don't think that was his, his real name, uh, but uh, he had a typical, um, you know, sad story of growing up in a in a very um, dysfunctional and abusive family. Both his parents were alcoholics, and um, he, he suffered a lot of abuse at the hands of his of his father, especially um, who, when he got drunk, um, often got um, angry and violent. And um, he was the eldest son, and, and, and he often tried to intervene between his mom and dad when they got into a drunken brawl, um, and, and often got hurt because of that. And, and so he, he started, you know, connecting with gangs and stuff, and got into uh, crime. Uh, in the beginning, it was petty crime, um, and eventually got caught and, and sent to a juvenile facility in his early teenage years, and uh, spent a couple of years there, and got out, uh, but. You know, again committed crime, got sent back again, and uh, eventually got taken away from his parents, and, and he was in and out of foster homes, uh, kept 
going to new families but running away and, and, and he just he never could seem to stay in one place and sort of settle down and, and get any stability eventually you know as he became older he kept committing crimes and, and, and sometimes more serious crimes and eventually ended up in prison and uh, uh, you know even when he came out on parole um, this, this pastor uh, tried to help him but he um, he, he struggled to help him because of this mentality, that this prison mentality um, that, that, that this young man had developed. Um, you know, even when he was on the outside, he, he still felt like a prisoner. He still felt like an outsider or what they would have called an insider. Uh, and and he, he didn't feel at home in the outside world. And... Um, you know, he, he couldn't keep a job down. He did try, you know, get a job. It was very difficult to get a job with a, a criminal record on his name, you know. Um, but even when he did get a job, he, he couldn't keep it, uh, you know. And, 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 and he, he was used to the small world of prison, which, which is very self-contained, which is very small. It has a roof. It has walls. It has bars. Um, there's very little freedom, but, but, but he, he was used to that. And, you know, sometimes even when... When things seemed to be going well, he would he would seemingly intentionally commit crimes, um, you know, and <laughs> sort of make it obvious that he was committing crimes so he could get caught and get sent back to prison again. And 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 and, and this pastor was saying uh, how so many of the inmates in prison were repeat offenders who kept coming back to prison, and, and that was the world they knew. That was what they're comfortable with. And I, and I just started to realize so often we as Christians we come out of the I almost want to say prison. Of the world, and we come into the kingdom, but we still come with that prison mentality, and and we struggle to shake it, and we have some many of the same symptoms that that young man uh, Daniel had when he came out of prison, um, and so I just want to uh, read us a couple of of scriptures from First Corinthians twelve and fourteen about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to sort of draw a line through and and, and draw a bit of an analogy. Um, between that prison mentality and how it actually prevents us from fully walking in um, the fullness of the gospel and the spirit that God has given us. So uh, before I read the scriptures, let me just pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you that, Lord, you have come to set the captives free. Thank you that you have come to set us free, not only in our behavior, but also in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we just confess to you that very often we don't experience that. We don't experience that freedom yet. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll lead us progressively into the freedom that, uh, that you purchased for us on the cross. We just consecrate ourselves to you. We open up our hearts to you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll minister your word, the good news of the gospel, to our hearts. And lead us into greater levels of freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me first read from 1 Corinthians 12, just the first couple of verses. And it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. i just interrupt myself there for a moment. So, Paul um, addresses in 1 Corinthians a whole lot of different issues which he um, knows are issues in the Corinthian church. Um, and one of them is, is spiritual gifts. 
and 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 for for chapter 12 13 and 14 he's he's basically dealing with spiritual gifts and he says now concerning spiritual gifts and he says i don't want you to be uninformed um and i think that same problem that paul was facing in the corinthian church is still a problem today but not only the problem that people are uh, and even christians and churches are uninformed but also that that many christians are misinformed um there's not only the the problem of the disuse of the gifts but there's also the the problem of the abuse of the gifts and 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 paul says that the the problem of the abuse of the gifts is not a, the disuse of the gifts but the proper use of the gifts and and therefore this is important to us um so he goes on in in verse 2 and he says uh, you know that when you were pagans you were led astray to mute idols however you were led therefore i want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And um, interesting thing that, 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 that he talks about here, it's sort of a contrast. He's saying you either um, led to Jesus as Lord or you led to mute idols as a prisoner. And, and the, the word that he uses there, the, the ESV translated, uh, led astray. Um, uh, it's uh, apogomenoi, which, which is just a participle, which, which can mean led astray. So that's a, a legitimate translation. But it can also be translated led as a prisoner, um, led into prison or led as a prisoner. And um, I, I really think that that that's part of the sense that that Paul intends here for for this word. So he's basically saying that um, you can be led in two directions, either to Jesus as Lord or to a mute idol as as, as prisoners, and those are basically the the two um, options that we have. And initially, all of us as human beings, because we're born into sin and because we're captive to sin. We're basically born and raised as prisoners, as captives, as inmates, if I can call it that. And um, that, that is part of what Paul is addressing here. Now, some people might say, hang on, any, you know, maybe some of you uh, who, who are um, sort of still trying to make up your mind whether you want to be a Christian or not. Uh, maybe you don't know whether you're a Christian and, uh, or maybe you know you're not a Christian. But either way, some of you might be saying, Hang on, any. It says there, Jesus as Lord, or Jesus is Lord. So, so when you led to Jesus, the only way you can relate to Jesus is as Lord. And and if someone is your Lord, then then basically you 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 subject to them. Then you're not free. Um, you know, and I and, and I've heard many people say I'd, I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. And of course, the the problem with that statement is that no one rules in hell. Uh, not even the devil is going to rule in hell. Um, all that's going to be happening in hell is, is suffering. You know, there's, no one's going to rule there. Hell's not going to be a nice place. Um, so, I mean, you, you, you don't want to. You don't want to go there. Um, and the other thing is, um, where, where, where the mute idols are basically prison guards. Um, your prison guards, your prison wardens. Jesus is actually the liberator, the liberating Lord who sets you free. You see, so often we have a wrong idea of freedom. We think freedom is the absence of restrictions. 
Whereas actually freedom is finding the right restrictions, according to Tim Keller. And I, I agree with him. I, I, and he uses this beautiful analogy where he says, a fish is only truly free when it's in water, when it's restricted to water. If you take a fish out of water, not only will it lose its freedom to, of movement, it will eventually lose its life and lose all freedom. And likewise, just like water is a fish's natural habitat, and it needs to be restricted to water in order to be totally free. So our natural habitat as human beings, even though we forgot this, and even though we don't really know this, our natural habitat as human beings is the presence of God, is under the rule of God, is under Jesus as Lord, uh, under God as our ruler and our king. And unless we in that natural habitat, just like a fish that is taken out of water, we, we are limited, in, we are restricted in our movement and in our freedom, and eventually we die. And, and that's what we see. You know, all human beings die because we have been cut off from the presence of God, removed from the presence of God, if you think about the Garden of Eden. And so we must, our freedom lies in not find, finding a, a place that is absent from restrictions, but finding the right restrictions. So restricting, restricting ourselves to the rule of, of Jesus actually, ironically, um, almost counterintuitively, sets us free. Uh, and and um, it's interesting, he talks here about mute idols, and, and obviously he's contrasting the, the mute idols with the speaking God. In other words, our God, the God that we serve, is a God that still speaks. Not just a God that has spoken, but a God that still speaks. And it's, it's quite sad to me to so often see so many Christians who basically turn God, the God of the Bible, into a mute idol by denying that God still speaks or that God can still speak. Um, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about um, God as a living God, as the place of our freedom under His rule um, and and as the two options that we have, we only have those two options, being led as prisoners to mute idols or being led as um, freed prisoners to Jesus as Lord, to Jesus our Lord. Um, and, and it's it says there that they were led um, uh, as prisoners to mute idols, um, led by whom? And it, it, it leaves you to ask, led by whom? Because it says mute idols, so it's not the idols themselves calling people or leading people, influencing and, and leading people. So, so by whom were they, when they were pagans, the Corinthians, when they were pagans, by whom were they being led um, to these mute idols? And um, if you look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 19 and 20, and, and Paul's intentionally not, he's intentionally stating it in that way. You know, led as prisoners to mute idols, however you were led. So, so he's being, he's, he's sort of showing that the way in which you were led was hidden, who you were led by was hidden. Is uh, showing that by by not explicitly saying it, by just alluding to it. But earlier in, in that same letter, in First Corinthians ten verse nineteen and twenty, he basically tells us uh, who it is. He says, uh, "What do I imply then? That food offered to idols? You see, idols is mentioned here as well, just like mute idols were mentioned in chapter twelve. Food that food that is offered that food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer." To demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So he's basically saying there that that when you are pagans, you're led by demons towards mute idols. So um, here's, here's, here's the thing, and, and then he says, however you were led. So so he's saying that 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 leading is hidden. 
you, you can be led with, uh, by, by, by demons to mute idols without realizing it. And it can be hidden from you. Uh, while the lockdown's going on, um, audible.com, I made a, quite a few sort of books free, you know, for you know, uh, children. And one of the books was uh, C.S. Lewis's classic, The Screwtape Letters, in which he writes as an older, more experienced tempter or demon to a younger um, temper, tempter demon called um, Screwtape. Uh, so he starts off the letters, every letter he starts off, Dear Screwtape, um, or, or no, no, Screwtape was the older one, Wormwood was the younger, uh, younger tempter. So he writes to, to Screwtape, writes to, writes to, his, uh, to his nephew Wormwood, and, and he says, okay, this is, this is how you should tempt uh, your, he calls him his patient, the, the person that he's been assigned to. And, he, and his aim, obviously, is to lead him to, to idols and eventually lead him to hell. Um, and, and he says, you know, the, the best road to hell is, is not the, you know, sudden, you know, obvious road, but the, the slow road, you know, the, the subtle road, the comfortable road, without any bumps or twists or turns that just comfortably leads you into hell. And he says one of their, their most important um, devices as tempters is to make sure that the person they're tempting and that they're leading in this way, leading to idols and leading to hell, doesn't realize what they do, that they're following them, doesn't realize that they're being led in this way, that they think that it's their own choices that they are making. Um, and that is still too, too true today. I think C.S. Lewis captured a, a big part of, of the devil's strategy uh, in terms of what he does, he does most effectively when we don't realize he's doing it. And so he leads people as prisoners towards mute idols and eventually towards hell without them realizing it. And, 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 and here's the, I almost want to say the scary part. What Paul is saying here is that you are being spiritually led. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Satanist, whether you're a secular person, an agnostic, an atheist, whether you say, I don't believe in anything, you are being spiritually led, whether you're aware of it or not. And you're either being spiritually led by a demon towards mute idols, or you're being spiritually led by the Holy Spirit towards Jesus as Lord. Those are the only two options. The one as a prisoner, the other one as a freed slave and a freed prisoner. So, um, I just want you to realize that whether you're aware of it or not, you are being led. And if you're not aware of it, that leading is even more effective, ironically speaking. So, you know, even when we are, when we come to Jesus and we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we often, we always come out of being, I almost want to say, born and bred in prison uh, under the, the, uh, the, the world system. And we come into the kingdom and we start following the, uh, the Holy Spirit and start following Jesus and serving Jesus as Lord, but with a prison mentality. And, and that prison mentality, um, one of the things that, that a prison mentality, because prison is, is a restricted area, it, it makes your world very small. It has a roof, it has walls, and especially in those days, I mean, they didn't have the kinds of prisons that, uh, they have today. So it was a dungeon. Uh, you know, if you were in prison, you were in a dungeon. Uh, so, so you were completely locked up. You didn't see the sky. Maybe there was a, a, a little window with bars very high up and you could see a little patch of sky. But that was it. Um, you know, you saw pretty much nothing else. And it, it, it sort of makes your world small. Now, imagine being born in a dungeon and being raised in a dungeon, never having seen the outside world. How restricted would your, world of the, your view of the world be? You, you'd live in a world with a roof. 
you wouldn't even know that there is such a thing as a sky, or necessarily even that there is such a thing as a sun or, or, or a moon, because you might never have seen them. And, and so, part of our prison mentality is very often that we live in a world, and I, I want to sort of make this spiritually speaking, we live in a world with a roof and with walls. We, we, we see only the physical dimension. We don't see the sky. We don't see the spiritual dimension. And so many of us come with that prison mentality into the world. Now, our world is, spiritually speaking, still small. We see the physical world, but we're not aware of the sky. We're not aware of, of, of the heavens. Um, in Genesis 1, it says in the very first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created creation on two levels. Um, heavens, note the plural, which includes the, the sky, um, space where the sun, moon, and stars are, but also the spiritual realm. Um, he created the spiritual realm, realm where the angels are, where God himself is. So he created creation on two levels, the physical and the spiritual. And then it says, he created man in his image. He created man by forming him from the dust of the, of the earth, the dust of the ground, physically formed him. But then he breathed into Man, the breath of life. That's in Genesis 2, I think, verse 7. In other words, the breath of God, the word for breath is the same Hebrew word for, for spirit, ruach. Um, so, so mankind is, is the only, people are the only uh, part of creation that are both physical and spiritual. So we live on both those levels. But, but because we come into the kingdom with a prison mentality, a, a world with a roof, we, we're only aware at the beginning of the physical element. And... We live in a, we're born and bred in a, in a, in a small prison, in a, in a world with a roof, so to speak. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to take us out and to show us the sky, to show us that the world is much bigger than we think, that there's a spiritual reality. Yes, there are demons. Yes, there is a Holy Spirit. Those spiritual realities are real. If we don't, if we come with our prisoner mentality into the kingdom and um, think the world has a roof and there's only a physical um, reality, there's no spiritual dimension, we will never experience God as we ought to and we will never be able to resist the devil as we ought to. Um, so it's interesting also that prison and, and gospel deal with sin, um, the reality of sin. In, in, in um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25, Paul says, but if all prophesy, he's talking about a church service, and he says, if all uh, prophesy and, a, a, and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he will be convicted by all, convicted of sin. He will be called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be, be disclosed. So, so prophecy is a revelation of, of things that are hidden, secrets that are hidden. Uh, and falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And so both prison and the gospel deal with the reality of sin and crimes that have been committed, if I can put it that way. But in prison, in the prison mentality, you serve your time. So prisoners will come out and say, I've served my time. But with the gospel mentality, we understand that Jesus has served our time. And, 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 and it refers to that um, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, where it says, uh, No one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And, and ironically, Jesus isn't accursed. He isn't accursed. So you cannot say Jesus is accursed. But ironically, Jesus was accursed. When he hung on the cross, uh, the same Paul in Galatians 3, verse 13 to 15 says, Christ became a curse for us by being hung on a cross. 
And Jesus was a curse. Now it's the curse for our crimes, the punishment for our crimes. Jesus took upon him, himself. He paid the price. He, he was cursed. He became a curse even. Um, he was restricted, in a sense, to the ultimate dungeon. Uh, when he was put in, in, in the grave, it was like a dungeon. He was put in, into a, a, a dungeon. But um, the resurrection of Jesus was one of the, probably the greatest prison break of all times, where Jesus overcame um, hell and death and, and the ultimate prison. And so, you know, when we come with a prison mentality into the kingdom, we often want to serve our time. We want to pay for our own sins. Instead of accepting that Jesus has paid for our sins, He has paid the price for our crimes. He has done our time, if I can put it um, that way. Um, and some Christians then come out of the kingdom that, 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 that Jesus sort of sets them free and they're they led by the Spirit to Jesus, but they still come with that prison mentality. In fact, I think all of us to some extent, uh, just like the children of Israel came out of Egypt with the, still with a slave mentality. Uh, I've heard it said that um, it's easier to take Israel out of Egypt than it is to take Egypt out of Israel. And, and it's the same for us. You know, we come out of, out of prison, out of being slaves, out of being inmates. And, and even though we, st- we are out of prison, we still live with a prison mentality. Just like that young man, Daniel, who, who came out on parole, but who still had a prison mentality in his head. So um, that's the first thing. Um, you know, the, the gospel and the spirit work together when it, when it sort of overlaps with us as people. Um, under lockdown, if I can put it that way, in prison and sets us free. It saves us. But then it also enables us to serve. It takes it a step further. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12 from the 7 to 11, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me just interrupt myself there for a moment. Um, first notice, uh, it says that to each one, so it's talking about individuals, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and then it says for the common good, and common good means corporate. So there's an individual aspect to the gifts, but it happens in a corporate context. It's for each one, but it's for the common good. And I, and I just want to very briefly look at those two aspects uh, of, the, of, of the gifts of the Spirit. So it says uh, in verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one uh, individually as he wills. Now, I'm not going to go through all the gifts uh, and, and uh, mentioned here. And just by the way, it's not an exhaustive list. Uh, in, in our teaching Tuesday recently, we went through the gifts and we did go through sort of um, a more complete list of, of the gifts uh, mentioned here, mentioned later in this chapter, mentioned in chapter 14, mentioned in Romans 12, etc., etc., even mentioned in the Old Testament. There are some gifts mentioned in the Old Testament that are not mentioned in the New. Um, so this, these nine are not an exhaustive list. It's just a representative list. Um, but if you want to know more about the details of the gifts, just go, go back to that recording. So here we see that not only does God not give us what we do deserve, the curse and the captivity that we do deserve because of our crimes, because of our sins against Him and our rebellion against Him. Not only does He not give us that, but He gives us what we don't deserve. 
He gives us gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, amongst others. Um, and notice that it says, um, it, it refers to these gifts in the Greek, and, and many of you will know this as charismata. Now, the Greek word charis means grace. So charismata means grace gifts. In other words, this implies the gospel, the, the, the grace of the gospel. Um, in other words, these spiritual gifts, these charismata, are gifts, they're not rewards. They gifts given by God's grace based on the gospel, not rewards for living a holy life. So many of you are sitting there thinking, oh, you know, this gift thing is it's all good and well, but I'm not good enough um, to have the gifts. Maybe some of you think I'm not good enough to be a Christian, and you're exactly right, you're not. I'm not good enough either. None of us are good enough to be a Christian. None of us are good enough to deserve the gifts. But that's what the gospel is all about. What we were not good enough to deserve, Jesus was good enough to deserve on our behalf. And he deserved not only did he take our captivity and our cursing so that we can be set free, but he also suffered great loss so that we can gain great gifts. And part of the gifts that we gain are these gifts of the Spirit. And it says um, that, let me just say this. This grace, charismata, grace gift, means that these gifts are... They, they, they're just that. They're gifts given by grace, based upon grace, not grace upon des- based upon deserving. So it's not like you deserve these gifts by living a holy life. But I also just have to bring the balance and say, because they're the manifestation of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and they're based on a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more holy life you live, the better you're going to be able to hear and obey the Spirit, and therefore the more effective you're going to be able to operate in the gifts. So on the one hand, there are gifts given by grace, not dependent on, not a reward for our holy life, but on the other hand, the more holy life you live, and the more you, you line up your life with the Holy Spirit, the more effective you're going to be able to operate in the gifts. And the same Holy Spirit doesn't only give us the gifts, but also the fruit of the Spirit, which is basically another way of saying that He makes us holy. And that's what Paul also talks about in the next chapter, chapter 13, when he talks about love. Love is patient, love is kind, all those kind of stuff. Becoming like the Holy Spirit, holy like the Holy Spirit. Even often, like that, that young man Daniel, when we come out of prison, when we are, sort of treat it as being on parole. We sort of have a prison mentality, a parole mentality if you, if you want to. You know, I'm sort of on probation in the world, but I'm, I'm living in the, king, or in the kingdom. But I'm living in the kingdom as an outsider. I don't really feel like I belong. Uh, and one of the things that a parole mentality uh, does, it makes you feel like you don't have a contribution. Often these inmates, uh, this friend of you know, prison warden friend of mine told me, often these inmates would, would come out of prison into the world and, they, and they, one of the things they feel is that I, I don't have a contribution to make. I, don't, I, don't, I cannot contribute. I cannot offer anything to this world. Um, and, and, and a deep sense of illegitimacy and a deep sense of insecurity and, and, and inability to make a, a positive contribution. Um, and some of you might have that as well. Because of the prison mentality that we've been conditioned in, you know, before we came into the kingdom, before we started following the Holy Spirit. And um, some of us might have that as well and think, but I don't have a contribution to make. I don't have a gift. But it clearly says to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have a gift. If you have the, if you are, serve Jesus as Lord and you have the Holy Spirit, you have a gift. If you are baptized 
according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, in one spirit, into one body, um, and have been made to drink of the Holy Spirit. If in other words, through the Spirit you become part of the body of Christ, the church, then you have at least one gift, maybe more. Um, and in other words, you have a contribution to make. So, so let, us, let us cast off that parole mentality, that prison mentality that says, I don't have a contribution to make. You have a contribution to make. Um, and in the other way in which this parole mentality manifests is, is it, it makes you focus on not making mistakes rather than on making a positive contribution. Uh, so many guys, when they come out on parole, uh, they just don't want to do something wrong because they're on parole and they have to check in with their parole officer ever so often and they, they need to check in and make sure that they, they're not violating their, um, you know, the conditions of, of their parole. And... And, and, and they're focused on not doing anything wrong rather than on doing things right and making a positive contribution. And so many times we as Christians live in the kingdom in that way as well. We just we live as though the Holy Spirit is our parole officer who's constantly sort of looking over our shoulders and checking up on us whether we're doing the right thing um, instead of allowing Him to manifest Himself through us and make a positive contribution, empower us to make a positive contribution in the world and, and in the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is not your parole officer. You know, you need to say that to yourself or say to the person uh, next to you if, you, if, you, if you're not alone, uh, say to them, the Holy Spirit is not your parole officer. Say to yourself, the Holy Spirit is not my parole officer. The Holy Spirit is, is more like a good mother than a parole officer. And um, a good mother isn't constantly, um, obviously a bad mother does this, but a good mother isn't constantly checking up on their children, seeing to, trying to see what they're doing right, trying to catch them doing something wrong. A good mother watches her children, but in order to catch them doing something right, so she can encourage them and praise them, not only to catch them doing something wrong, so she can um, discipline or reprimand them, but although it is that too. Now, so often we relate to the Holy Spirit in the wrong way. We relate to the Holy Spirit as though He, was a, as though he were a parole officer, checking up on us, policing us, instead of as though he were like a good mother that is encouraging us, nurturing us, empowering us um, to make a positive contribution through his power in the kingdom. Um, a large proportion of, of inmates, um, this, this friend of mine told me, are, like I said, are, are repeat offenders who go out on parole but then who commit crimes because that's all they know and then they come back again. They have no purpose in life. They don't think they can do anything except commit crime, uh, do wrong. And in our analogy, you know, it's like, Christians being saved from slavery to the world and to, from slavery to mute idols um, to being in the kingdom, serving Jesus as Lord, but still having a, a prisoner mentality, a parole mentality and, and saying, well, all I know is sin, a life of sin, a life of crime, if you will. And just going back to crime because it's what I know. It's more comfortable. It's easier. Um, so, yeah, I just want to encourage you. You might be on lockdown. But don't have your heart and your mind on lockdown. Let us get, even though we, we are restricted in terms of our movement because of, of this lockdown, because of um, COVID-19, let us not be restricted in our hearts and our minds. Not us, let us not be restricted in our mentalities, in our worldview. But, but let us be walking the freedom that the Lord has for us. And even though we cannot reach out and physically touch other people and minister to them, uh, in that way, we can still minister to them. Even as I'm ministering to you now virtually, you can minister to other people virtually as well. And the good news is neither the gospel nor the Holy Spirit are under lockdown. 
Yes, in a sense, the Holy Spirit is with us on the lockdown because he lives in us and, is, and among us. But he's everywhere. He's God. He's not limited to our restrictions. And so you can still, right now, in the power of the Spirit, minister to other people. And even though you cannot be with them, to, to only, even though you can only virtually be with them, the Holy Spirit is actually with them. And in the power of the Spirit, you can still serve them and, and minister to them. And in the next session, we're going to talk about how do we, um, how do we discover more about our gifts and how do we exercise the gifts uh, in, a, in a practical way. But, but for this session, I just want to encourage you, let's get rid of that lockdown mentality, that prisoner mentality, even that parole mentality that limits us in our thinking, that, that treats the world as though it has a roof, as though there's no spiritual realm. Let's, let's be aware of the wide open spaces of the spiritual reality that is around us, that we're not living in a, in a, just in a physical dungeon. Let us, um, let us not um, sort of think that, that like prisoners we have to do our time and earn our own salvation. Let us not think that we don't have a contribution to make when we come and let us not live with that old idea of I'm an inmate all I know is a life of crime and I want to return to a place that makes sense to me um, I just want to encourage you with this little story uh, in closing a missionary called James Fraser. Um, I can't remember when it was but it was many many years ago he was one of the early missionaries in, in China and he was ministering in, in Lisu land in, 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 in sort of the Mala- Himalayan foothills in, in China. And uh, he'd, he'd gone there on, on, on trips and preached the gospel and, and some, some of, of the, the, the people there had converted to Christianity, received the gospel. The Holy Spirit had led them to Jesus as Lord. They'd, they'd broken free of that, that um, being prisoners, being led as prisoners to, to mute idols and, um, and, and, and started following Jesus as Lord. And he'd given them Bibles and stuff uh, that, it, that, uh, that had been translated into, into their language. And then he had to leave. And he, he planned, you know, sort of at the beginning of the winter to go back to them and to minister to them. You know, spend a couple of days ministering to them, uh, preaching the gospel to them. But, but the winter was quite hard and, and it, it came early and there was a lot of snow, which, which sort of cut him off. And he, and he couldn't actually reach them. You know, for the entire winter. And, and initially, he says in his diaries, he was angry with God in his journals. Uh, he was angry at God. God, why did you allow this? You could have easily just sort of, um, you know, held back the snow and, and, and made it possible for me to go into the mountains and, and minister to them. And then, you know, when I, when, I, when I was finished, you could have sent the snow. And he was initially angry with God. And then he realized that, you know, God can still minister to them. And, and he can also still minister to them through his prayers for them um, uh, to God. And so he, he did a little experiment and he writes about this in his journal. And he, and he said, okay, I'm, I can minister to the people uh, here in the lowlands where I am. I'm going to preach to them and minister to them and disciple them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, pray with them and you know, speak the word to them, counsel them. Uh, and the people in, in, the, in, in, in the Himalayas, you know, those people in Iceland that I cannot reach, I'm going to minister to them in prayer. So all the time I would have taken traveling to them, the couple of days I would have taken traveling to them, and the couple of days I would have taken ministering to them, I'm going to spend all of that time in prayer for them. And then I'm going to see what happens. And, and he did that. He, he was very disciplined. He prayed for them, really passionately poured out, wrestled in prayer for them. And he found an interesting thing. He found that... The people in the highlands, when, when he went back there eventually and sort of evaluated their spiritual state, 
he found that, that those people in the highlands, without him being present, but just with his prayers and his prophesying over them, had grown more than the people in the lowlands where he had actually been present and where he had actually been able to preach and minister to them. And, and so often we forget that. We forget that the Holy Spirit is a much more effective minister than we are. And, and that he can... There's no distance in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present everywhere. He can minister to anyone. And there's no range limit to our prayers. And, and, and therefore, I want to encourage you at this time during lockdown, let's not have a prison mentality, but let's understand that the world is much bigger than we realize. And, and our reach, even though physically it's short, only a, uh, a couple of feet, spiritually our reach is much longer because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and ministers in us and through us. And let us continue to minister to one another in prayer and in the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I want you to do a bit of an experiment. I want you to... Um, as, as homework basically I, w- I want you to write down the name of, of one or two people maybe you know um, you hear this sermon on Mother's Day uh, and maybe one of those people needs to be your mother and, and, and you know write down her name and maybe one other person's name and then you pray for them you spend a couple of minutes in prayer just really praying for them really saying God how do you see them God what's on your heart for them what's on your heart for my mother uh, pray for them and then see what God shows you and, and how God leads you and what God reveals to you. It might be just an image or an impression or a scripture that the Lord gives you uh, or um, a vision or, or, or a word. Maybe the, maybe the Lord speaks to you in some other way uh, for, for them. Um, <clears throat> but then I want to encourage you to, to give them a call, whether it's on WhatsApp or Zoom or um, just a normal phone call. Give them a call. Give your mom a call. Give the other person a call. And whatever God has shown you, Share it with them or pray it over them. Say, you know, can I pray for you? I just want to pray a blessing over you. And pray it over, uh, over them. And, and see what the Lord does. Ask them for feedback. Say, you know, does any of that resonate with you? Does that, any of that make sense to you? Does any of that sort of, um, you know, pull at your heartstrings or really uh, touch you? Um, and let them give you feedback. You know, is what, what I've shared with you, what I felt, is, is that accurate? And... Um, do that as homework and see what the Lord does. And I'm, I'm confident that you will find that the Holy Spirit wants to bless those people, wants to bless your mother, wants to bless the people that you love more than you want to bless them. And that He will use you, He will manifest Himself through you towards those people. Let me just close for us in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, that when your gospel, your good news, and your Holy Spirit intersect with our lives as human beings salvation happens miracles happen supernatural things happen captives are set free people who feel useless are given purpose and calling and thank you Lord that you don't only minister to us and set us free as prisoners but you minister through us to others to set them free from prison as well and we pray that we will experience that uh, where many if not most of us are under lockdown that we will still be free in the spirit to minister to one another and that we will really experience you manifesting yourself in us and through us to one another in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good 
For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.